figure I'd start with some light, light news. Marie Kondo, you may remember Marie Kondo. She wrote a book and kind of took the world by storm. And the reason she took the world by storm is because she was like, does this spark joy? So here's my pen. Should I keep my pen? And she would say, well, you hold it. Does it spark joy? Now, I had an issue with this sort of philosophical practice because there is literally no physical object that I hold that sparks joy because I'm an old man. So I understood what she was saying, though. Like, if it would need to be rephrased for me. Is this a necessity? Do you consider this a necessity? And that, that word, the definition could be expanded to be like, like, like when I hold up my video game controller, is this a necessity? Well, no, it isn't, but it is deeply connected to my entertainment time. And I consider that important. So yes, I should keep that. Is there anything on my desk that I don't need? Uh, my wedding ring, because I'm not wearing it. But <laughs> No, but this is it. I think I've actually kind of followed the Marie Kondo philosophy because there's everything on my desks that I'm looking at has a use. So the idea is minimize how much stuff you have. I could throw out some old clothes. There's clothes I don't wear. There's clothes that don't fit right. So that's probably where I would make the first real effort was just throw out a bunch of clothes. It's just, it's so hard for me to find clothes that fit properly in Japan. If I find something, I keep it. Even if I don't really like it, I might wear it later. So that's again, a necessity. But her whole thing was everything you have in your possession should spark joy and create a positive feeling or you know you feel have like warmth around it uh she did an interview and she said she's sort of given up on keeping everything clean and organized which is kind of cool and interesting because it's like what what drove someone who's built a, a career a tiny tiny empire she's been on like western tv i know she was on stephen colbert's show what would drive her to the point where she's almost given up on her own philosophy she said, my home is messy, but the way I'm spending my time is the right way for me at this stage in my life. What is important is enjoying spending time with my children. And then you find out she's had her third kid. So this is why her house is messy, because three kids, and I assume all pretty small still, because one's a baby, she's got two other kids, they're a little older, but then that means they're like toddlers and they're just running around just making a mess. That's what kids do. And they have toys. And the kids, if you say, does this spark joy? They're going to go, yeah! Because everything sparks joy when you're a little kid. This is something I was kind of sad about. I saw a kid who, a train went by and got so excited, he did a little like tippy-tappy dance. I was like, I, I don't know if I've ever been that happy. I don't know if I've ever been at a point in my life where I always did a little tippy-tappy dance. I must have. And then at some point, that joy went away. And it's sad. It's sad that I don't get excited about things like that anymore. So I'm going to try to find something that would make me do a little tippy-tappy dance. And that's going to be like my... This is going to be the, the, the chunk with beef chest philosophy of tippy-taps. If... Because when you get to a certain point in your life, you, you don't tippy-tap anymore. Can we find the thing in our life that makes us tippy-tap? And if we can, then that's, that gives us a sense of what brings us joy. And that's maybe what I've lost in, in my life, a certain amount of joy. And I want to bring that back. And then I was thinking, like, Marie Kondo's version of messy 
is probably still way cleaner than everyone else. So I, I keep my, again, if you've watched the video, you can see there's very little in my room. Behind me, there's the bed. There's the chin-up bar. Down here in the corner, there's a little heater. It's a space heater. Electricity doubled for me last between last December and this December. It went from 15,000 yen to heat my house to 30,000 yen. That's a big bite. So we, the small room, so my room is quite small. We got a little uh, kerosene space heater. We're using that. That's basically all there is in my room. There's the two desks with my computer set up and another desk with uh, just nothing so that I can like do other stuff there. I have a minimalist philosophy. So I think overall my room is probably less messy than other people's rooms because I only use things that I consider necessary. Marie Kondo's whole spark joy thing. She probably doesn't have that much stuff in her house in the first place. If she doesn't have that much stuff in her house in her first place, her version of messy is probably way better than other people's version of messy anyways. So I'm betting Marie Kondo's state of decay that she may be in right now is still 10 times better than almost everyone else's state of decay. So, you know, she's got three kids. She's got a life. I mean, I don't, I hope she's happy. She says she's happy. She's, she wants to spend time with her kids. And then that actually brings in a secondary, this has nothing to do with news anymore. I just realized. She's brought in a secondary aspect of the philosophy is that her philosophy has changed. She went from everything should be sparking joy and clean and in order and minimalist to I want to spend time with my kids and, and you know enjoy that time. And enjoying that time with kids, that's going to be messy. You're going to have a lot of stuff. Uh, you're going to have toys all over the floor sometimes. But that's actually pretty fun. I remember you know, just toys everywhere for my kids. It was pretty cool. You know, I don't have that in my house because my kids are like teens. They're, they have basically a phone or a device and that's it. That's all they pay attention to. And I don't, I'm not criticizing that because like, what do I do? I, I play video games and I, I make podcasts and I stream on Twitch and stuff and that's it. Like that's, that's my version is just a bigger device at this point. So I can't be critical of them, but I kind of miss Lego. A very quick update. So I think last week I did uh, talked about China and China denying visas to people in Japan, uh, being very hypocritical. China has resumed issuing visas for Japanese people. That's it. I mean, there's actually no fault. I just, because we talked about it last week and the hypocrisy in there, and uh, I didn't think it was going to last very long. I thought it was going to go longer than just the couple weeks I talked about it because... China is the kind of country that sort of makes a decision, stands by it, even if it's the wrong decision. But tourism is money. Everyone wants tourists to keep touriziming, and they want the money. So uh, Japanese people, you may hate them historically, but they're going to spend a lot of money if they come to your country. So you want them to come visit your country. There's been a series of robberies. They're pretty awful, actually. Uh, the interesting part is that they were masterminded by a man who is being held in a detention center in the Philippines, in Manila. So basically he had a smartphone and he was directing people how to break in, how to basically do home invasions almost. What they would do is they'd come up to your house and they'd do a fake delivery and then they would force their way into your house. Uh, they beat up some people, they accidentally, they beat up a 90-year-old person and uh, they died as a result of the injuries 
one of the home invasions used seven people. So that's like, these are big things. They talked about how much money they took, but again, it's how much money you keep in the house. I don't keep any money in the house. But Japanese people, older generations still tend to keep money, physical money in the house, uh, which, because they don't trust banks. And then the banks, uh, in uh, interest rates are so low that keeping money in your bank almost means nothing. Sometimes you pay more in fees than you would get in interest, so there's no benefit to keeping it at a bank. I think it was interesting that this guy had a smartphone. He was arrested in 2021 being held in Manila. He gave instructions via smartphone how to set up these like fake deliveries, how to go to the houses, how to pick the houses. And he organized groups of people in Japan to do these robberies. Uh, he called himself, it, they, they kept referring to him as Luffy. Luffy is a, a character, uh, famous criminal character in Japan from a manga and anime and stuff. And Luffy's the pirate. I was thinking of someone else. Yeah, Luffy's the pirate. Okay. And I was like, don't give, police should not be giving criminals cool names. And it turns out he called himself that, which makes him actually way lamer. Giving yourself a nickname of a cool anime character that you probably like. And then like, I guess making other people call you that. That's, I don't know. It'd be like someone going, getting a stupid name like Chunk of Beef Chest and trying to get everyone to call him that. I actually don't want people to call me that. I have never insisted any of my friends or people I've talked to actually call me Chunk of Beef Chest. It is just a nickname. Um, I guess at this point, it's sort of a production company name because I have a series of podcasts and stuff all under the same pseudonym. So maybe if I write stuff and stuff, I might use that as my pen name. But Anyways, this guy, it looks like he's going to be deported in the second week of February back to Japan. So deported from the Philippines back to Japan. And when that happens... I do want to see like what he's charged with. I'm betting these charges are going to be pretty big because there is a, at least one death involved and multiple, multiple people have been injured. What I want to know is what is the scope of the organization he was able to do while in detention? Because you think the guards maybe would have noticed he was using a phone, but he was being detained, not in jail. Like there's a, there's a lot of sort of like shady areas why did he have a smartphone and why did he have so much access to it if he was being detained for a full year at least? More than. That's, that's really weird and interesting. So I'm looking at sort of the, the back sides of this story. So you're going to get all the, oh, this is how much money was stolen and this, people were hurt and stuff. But I'm, I'm like, how did he get this organization into place from a detention center with a smartphone? That's the bit I'm more interested in. Uh, the criminal proceedings, I mean... It's going to be big. We'll see what happens. I will, I will do updates on this as they come along. I've got like three, four stories of... Uh, it's all 40, 50-year-old men. There's a 44-year-old man. He was arrested for producing counterfeit huggy pillows. So you know those big pillows, body pillows, and it has an anime girl on it? He was arrested. He had 72 items of 12 characters from 10 different shows. Now, what he was doing was taking these pillows and modifying them so they were showing more skin. So you have the, uh, I know I know it was like one of the characters from Dead or Alive, video game, sexy lady. She's lying on the pillow, let's say, like this. For people who are listening, I just did a very sexy gesture. I don't know if he was painting it. 
or he was he was doing some kind of modification to make it look like she was exposing more skin. So it sounds like what he did was took an original licensed picture, modified it so it showed more skin, and then produced these huggy pillows. Since they're sexier than the official ones, the companies are like, this isn't cool. When the police arrested him, they found 600 more in his house. Prosecutors are seeking heavy punishment. Uh, between 2018 to last summer, he made 12 million yen. So that's 12 to 18, 19, 20, 21. So that's four years, 12 million yen. He was making 3 million yen a year off these huggy pillows. That is a lot of money, but also it's less than the average salary. Now, when I'm going to commit my big crime, because it's coming, I, I like this age group has made it very clear that I am ripe for crime. <laughs> when I commit my crime, I want to make it so I don't have to work anymore. So it's got to be a big score. This is why I will never commit a crime though. Because I'm never going to hit a score big enough where I wouldn't have to work anymore. Or it would be enough money that I could just keep my job and then just supplement my income. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm already not a career criminal because I'm smart enough to know that. Like if I have to keep committing crimes over three, four years, even if it's just the exact same crime... It's the sheer volume is going to make it easier for them to catch you sooner or later. It might be years. This guy's like three, four years. Uh, there was another story. I actually didn't do it. There was a guy riding a motorcycle and he was riding his motorcycle close to the car in front of him so that when there was a toll gate to get onto the highway, he would go through. And they were like, he, he didn't pay not very much, like three, four, five hundred dollars worth of tolls. Uh, but then he got arrested because he's been doing it. And they're like, sooner or later, going to catch him. Uh, they, he flipped up his license plate. There's a thing in Japan where they like take the license plate and they bend it upwards so you can't actually see it if you're behind the motorcycle and stuff. It's a Yankee kind of thing to do. Uh, it had a name. Oh, I forget what the name was. But anyways, the volume of crime increases the likelihood of getting caught. So you won't, you want to commit one crime and not have to do it again or a few crimes in your life very distant from each other. So like once a decade you commit a crime, you'd have less chance of getting caught because there's less for them to put together and figure out. If you have to commit a crime every week or every day, the police are like, well, we're going to find a pattern. We're going to figure something out. We're going to have... All, all these guys are getting caught by a surveillance video, if we're being really honest. You're going to get surveyed and then they're going to see what you're doing and then catch you. They'll probably just follow you home. I don't think I wrote this one down. There was lots of crime stories this week. There were actually too many, but now they're all in my head. So I'm like, this is all interesting. The links between them. It was like two 14-year-old kids like smashed, did a smash and grab basically of a jewelry store. And the police, once they figured out which way they left the building, just got on video from different buildings and just followed them basically back to where they live and arrested them. But let's get on to other old men committing more crimes, often poorly. So we had a story a couple weeks ago about a guy who was just really exhausted from work. And I kind of know how he feels. And he's just like, I don't want to go to work anymore. So he took a knife and he put it up against the wall and stabbed himself in the back. And then claimed he'd been there was an attempted murder that he'd been attacked and then so he wouldn't have to go to work and then they got the surveillance video and found that there was no other person around and he just stabbed himself well it seems that this is not a unique incident there was a teacher who said work was too tiring and again i i relate like sometimes you just get burnt out you're tired you don't want to do this anymore uh 
what's the solution? My solution is usually, if I can, take a day off and maybe uh, the Japanese solution is to drink a lot and just burn it out with alcohol. Uh, this guy is like, I'm going to call the school at 8 a.m. So this is before classes on the 25th. This was the 25th, so this is like last week. And tell them there might be explosives on the first and third floor of the school and in the gymnasium. If classes don't end by the morning, you could be in danger. That is all. This was not handled how I thought it would be handled. The school staff then searched the, the schools and the gymnasium and they concluded there was no bomb and classes continued. I would have called the police because it's a bomb threat. And even if you know it's fake, you have to take it seriously because there's the off chance it is. There was a package. I think I've told this like two, three times on the podcast, but how often does this happen in your life? There was a package in the parking lot near my house. And from my balcony, I could see it. So I went out my balcony, I watched as the police showed up and it was pretty noticeable. And the police were like, this package had a note on it and the note was vaguely threatening. So they're like, we don't know if this is a bomb or not. And I watched them like get the shield out and the guy all armored up and he walked up to it and he like poked it and stuff. I couldn't see very well. It was at nighttime. But I could see kind of like them approach it and then back up and then approach it. Eventually a detective came to our house and was like, look, we're going to basically try to open this thing. Uh, we don't know what it is or what's in it. We, it could be a bomb. We don't think it is, but we want to be safe. So could you guys evacuate? And we're like, I was like, I kind of want to watch. But then of course me standing on my balcony and shrapnel hits me in the face is one of the worst ways to die. So I'm just like, okay, let's not like the way you die, but the stories people tell like this dumbass was standing on his balcony watching a bomb. <laughs> so uh, we evacuated my family like 20, 30 minutes later. They're like, it was just a bag with some garbage in it. Uh, it ended again the note was just like some some person just put a note on it to, to make it threatening and has wasted police resources so they were going to go try to find that person at the end yada 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 but they took it seriously this school did not the school's like hey completely teachers completely inexperienced with actual bombs and what they look like and stuff let's go take a look around and see what happens and I guess don't touch anything I don't think that's right uh, the guy who called in the bomb threat, he'd gone to a payphone relatively close to the school. The police could figure out what phone made the phone call, of course. Uh, so they basically traced it back. They got some security camera, found the guy making the phone call, and then him immediately going to work afterwards. He still had to go to work, and then he got arrested. So his bomb threat didn't even give him a day off. So not only... Is this a dumb crime? It's also poorly executed. I am so judgmental of criminals because if you're going to do this, have a good plan and execute it properly. I, this might be why I'm so fascinated with the guy who was in Manila because he's organized a criminal empire with a cell phone while in detention. I don't want to show any sort of respect for him, but he clearly knew what he was doing and he kind of was doing it the right way. Uh, I'm glad he got caught in there and got stopped because I also, I would like my crimes. When I commit my crime, I want it to be one where no one gets hurt. I don't want to hurt another person to commit a crime. This might be another thing that's holding me back. I'm not as cold hearted as I need to be. Uh, I would not want to hurt someone else physically for sure to commit my crime. I'm okay with threatening violence. <laughs> I'm okay with the threat of violence. I don't actually want to hurt anybody. 
you know what? This isn't about me. And that's maybe why I should just move on. Okay, there was another set of bomb threats. So 300 schools and universities received bomb threats last week between Monday and Wednesday. It kind of came through in waves. Faxed. And that to me was the only bit that I was like, what? They faxed the schools a bomb threat? They said it had a unique font, which I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm assuming they had to just put in a, a, a font from some kind of plugin on their computer, right? Because you're not even, you're not gonna, maybe they did print it out or maybe they did the classic like pasting magazine bits together. Anyways. Uh, it was faxed to schools from a number in Tokyo. It demanded a ransom between 300,000 yen to 3 million yen. I actually think maybe they made a mistake on the first one because why would you go with the low number? Uh, they didn't say how the person was supposed to collect the money, so I think this was just a very poorly thought out scheme. And they hadn't thought through how to actually, like, should they be successful? I think this was more of a prank than an actual attempt to get money. I think they just wanted to be disruptive because there was no plan in place that we could see or hear about where the person actually would end up collecting if a school was going to give in and actually give them the money. So, meh. More threats? Let's just keep going. It's a theme. Uh, this guy had a game on his phone. It's called Mahjong Soul. And he kept losing. So he decided, you know, the way to deal with when you're losing it, probably a very random game that's designed to make you lose a lot. You should go to the publisher's homepage, the, the computer game publisher's homepage, and start sending death threats, which is a forcible obstruction of business. <laughs> For you guys watching on Twitch, nothing happened. But when I edit this, I'm going to put in a counter up there and a little ding that says uh, obstruction of business because we've decided to start keeping track of that crime because it happens so, so much. He confessed to actually doing the death threats because of his constant losses at the game. <sighs> I don't know, man. You can't invest. Like, I, I lost a lot at Call of Duty. You know what I did? I stopped playing Call of Duty because I'm mediocre at best. I'm certainly not good. I wasn't going to get any better because I want to put the time in. So, you stop playing that game. Go get some other game that's easier or more fun. <laughs> okay, talking about angry people, uh, there was a high school teacher and he's been suspended. He's been suspended for abusing the handball team members. <laughs> and that's terrible. I don't know why I find it funny. I think it's because it's handball. And it's not like I don't have any respect for handball, but let's face it, if you're going to invest your life into something and get like abusive over it, choose a better sport. It's, even saying that sounds shitty. Handball is something you play for fun. I assume there are professional handball leagues and players, but there's a reason I've never heard of them or thought about them. Like there's professionals in almost every sport. Uh, okay, so there's a handball team, and this uh, teacher has been assigned the task of coaching the handball team. He decides that the students are making too many mistakes, so he starts slapping the students and telling them to die and calling them idiots and throwing the handball at their head. Now, if you're a really good handball player, you should either catch or deflect that handball. So that last one, 
I should not, I don't believe should be considered part of the abuse. That should be just training. Someone made an anonymous call to the school and the principal, instead of actually, you know, dealing with this, decided to give the teacher guidance. And I think what that means is they tried to cover it up. This all came to light very recently when all six members of the senior handball team quit at the same day. And then the teacher was called out and there's been a press conference and the teacher had to say, I became frustrated by the repeated mistakes and my first thought was, dude, it's handball. Just let them have a good time. Uh, this is a different philosophy. Uh, it's maybe cultural. My daughter was doing gymnastics, rhythmic gymnastics. And it's, you know, she was having a good time. She was a little kid. Twirled a baton. I actually liked really playing with the uh, the ribbon on a, on, a, on a thing. You could wave it around. I really enjoyed that. So I would do that at home a lot. Uh, she really liked it and it was really good for her and she was flexible and she was having a good time and it was athletic. And then she got to, I think, I forget what year, but it was like 10 years old or something. And they're like, great, if you want to go to the next level, you have to come every day. Now, we couldn't bring her every day because we're working parents and stuff and we have jobs and lives and she also has other things to do. We didn't want her to dedicate her whole life to rhythmic gymnastics. We wanted her to go a couple times a week to do this healthy exercise. That was fun. So literally they like gave us an ultimatum of it's all rhythmic gymnastics all the time or nothing. So there was no sort of class where you would go for kids to actually just enjoy themselves. You had to be dedicated to this to become a professional rhythmic gymnast, which I I assume is, I don't know if that's the same level as handball. I don't know if there even are professionals. So the, we did the actually only thing we could do. We were put in an impossible situation. We, we pulled her out. So that gym makes slightly less money. And I assume this happens regularly. Like every time girls hit this age, they're given this ultimatum. And I, a significant proportion of them, it's not that they even don't want to do it. The parents can't commit the level of that amount of time. Because, okay, I go to judo. means I can't take my kid to rhythmic gymnastics that night which means I have a choice if I give up my hobby, because I'm not a professional judoka. I don't do judo all day, every day. Uh, But it's the thing I do for my health and fitness. I'm supposed to give that up and just sit in a gym and watch her every single night. Even if I swap off with my wife, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work for most people to do one thing every single day. But that's like, in Japan, they have this thing where you either have to do it super seriously or not at all. I see, again, like I just mentioned, I do judo. And you can see the kids with the parents who aren't there to have a good time or, or learn a martial art or, you know, enjoy themselves. They're just like, they want their kids to be world champions. And I can tell you, these kids are not going to be world champions because they're hating every minute of it because they're being forced into it. They may like judo. They don't like it every day. Uh, and they certainly don't like their parents shouting at them from the sides. And this is sort of the same thing. Rhythmic gymnastics, to me, in my mind is a fun version of gymnastics that's incorporating dance to have a good time. They didn't see it that way. This was a lifestyle choice you had to make, and it was going to make your life or break your life, uh, and it broke our lives. And my daughter doesn't do rhythmic gymnastics anymore, which kind of sucks. Very light last story. These have all had, like, the abusive tendencies kind of sucks, so. 
the prime minister's son is uh, his secretary. So the prime minister was out uh, in another country. I think he went to America. He went to, oh no, they went around Europe, a couple places in Europe. And while they were there, they have an official car. So they used, he used the official car to go and do things. Now a news story came out, a magazine came out. This is a scandal. He said he, he used the government car for sightseeing. And the government then turned around and denied it. He said he used the car to take publicity photos. So he was going to like the Eiffel Tower. And he took a picture of the Eiffel Tower to put on the official prime minister's Instagram, let's say. I don't know what they actually were doing. Maybe it was for publishing materials or something, but I'll just give you an example. And then you could put it on that and go, look, the prime minister is here in, in Paris doing this important thing. He went to buy souvenirs, which is in Japan a very important thing to do for work. So you buy souvenirs for your coworkers. He's going to buy souvenirs to give to people politically. Uh, so it's part of his job. He claims he did no shopping for himself, didn't use any tourist facilities. And I was like, okay, Japan just takes everything a step further. I'd be like, well, if he was at a tourist place officially taking photos... What would be the problem with him buying a snack or doing something like that? And that's, again, it's very different. In Japan, that would not be acceptable. I did the story, I forget when now. It was like maybe a couple months ago where it was cops in Japan are allowed to go to convenience stores to buy a drink. Like that's how, that's, that's before they weren't. It was like they couldn't in uniform go in and just buy a drink because they were thirsty. You had to go and change so that you didn't look like you were slacking off. So they take that really seriously here. It's a different, again, a different mentality. And it's that, that mentality maybe needs to be adjusted for a new modern lifestyle so that kids can do rhythmic gymnastics for fun or play handball and not get smacked in the back of the head. Or if you're in a very exciting new country and doing some work and then take a little sidestep and they're like, oh, I'd like to take a picture for myself. Don't have everyone freak out. I did take a moment and think, Imagine the level of scrutiny a U.S. politician would be comfortable with. They could never survive in Japan because the level of scrutiny he's gone through. So again, I think he was probably taking pictures and then maybe took a couple pictures for himself, which I would not judge at all. I don't think any Western person would. Uh, he probably went and bought souvenirs. And yeah, if you're buying souvenirs and then you buy one extra with your own money for yourself, I would not say that was a bad thing. Oh, I'm going to buy five boxes of these uh, Parisian chocolates for my father, who's the prime minister, for his some of his coworkers or other politicians he's going to meet. I'll slide one in there and I'll pay for it myself separately for myself. It's 10 seconds more. I wouldn't, I, as, as long as he's not using government money for it, I have no problem with that at all. I would like to see that level of scrutiny in other countries would be really interesting because imagine the stuff they would be judging Donald Trump for because <laughs> he's basically been caught committing crimes and stuff and it's just nothing happens. I, I am waiting to see. The most interesting thing about America right now is will they bring charges and if they do, because we all know he's actually guilty, would they actually put him in prison? I know it would be a cushy prison, but I would love to see Donald Trump go to prison. And they keep hinting it that they're going to do it. And they keep pushing towards it. If they put his kids in prison, I think that would be pretty good. Because then he would have to reconcile that. And probably distance himself? Yeah, that'd be funny. That literally, just to me, would be funny. 
So, uh, do we have a positive note? Because of my start with Marie Kondo and, and our, our philosophies must adjust over time to suit our circumstances, but we still must find joy where we are. My joy, my, my tippy-tappy dance is going to be Donald Trump in prison. <laughs>